This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. In the next 19 seconds, you could sell your home. Okay, it's, I mean, it's not going to sell your home, I mean, this, but it, you're going to take a big step toward getting it sold. Go to realestateagentsitrust.com and find an agent selected by my team, a professional who shares your values and speaks the truth. Sell your home fast and for the most money. Get moving at realestateagentsitrust.com. This Irish man stands with America. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. Hello, America. Thank you so much for tuning in today. This is the Freedom's Disciple podcast. I am your host, Jonathan Dunn. I hope you're having a great weekend. This is the show, as you know, where I take you on a journey. I try my best to, anyway, and share stories and share principles and explain why I think you are still an exceptional nation, why you are still a beacon of hope for the world. Thank you so much for everyone who tuned in last week. Um, I'm going to try and do more shows like last weekend where I bring you on, I try my best to bring you on a journey and, and to ask you the questions. I always say this, and but I'm going to start saying it a lot more because people who listen are thinking I'm trying to in make a, a reaction in your culture where everyone thinks like me. I don't. I ask the questions and I lay them out on the on SoundCloud, on iTunes, on my site, freedomsdisciple.com, for you to find your own position. And I want to continue on from last week's discussion, but by making it a more, not about me, but about America. Because there was one question I asked last weekend that really focused my mind um, when I was self-reflecting on my future, that I think it's an important place to start in American culture and American society today. And that question is simply this. What is your priority in life? What is your priority in culture? And I'm asking this question for a very, for a certain reason, because it's, for me, it's setting up the rest of the show, because I'm going to talk to you about, about poverty. Um, I'm going to talk to you about, what I think are some of the poverties in your society. But before I can get to that, I want to focus in on what your priorities are. What's important? And when you, I would encourage you to do a list, you know, to self-reflect on your own life and and to focus um, in on what's important to you. And what I would ask you is if you do take this exercise and you do a list of everything that's important, Chain, do two different lists. One are earthly. What's earthly important to you? So some people might say, my job is important to me because my job provides me a salary and that salary provides me an income to provide for myself and my wife and my husband and my kids or my parents. And it, you know, helps me put food on the table. And then, you know, a more... Um, eternal, spiritual, religious, faith-based column. You know, something like, my faith is important to me. You know, something that's eternal. And I I did up my own list. um, But the one thing that I did for the prep for this show, I did up a list for America. And I was just looking at the culture that you live in. 
you know, it's amazing to me when you when you speak out in in society today, when you speak out for anything, um, whether it's something like I do where I speak out about faith or politics, um, for principles. When you speak out, you know, even for I don't know sports. You know, I don't know if you ever follow when you go onto certain websites, and it can be any website, and you look at the comments. The amount of hate that is out there is unbelievable. The amount of hate, if I was to divide all the hate and I was to do an analysis on it, the most hate I get, or as an insult, is the way I look. I start there because, not for looking at me, but look at how people think you should look in society today. Do we put a premium on how you look? Do we put a, a premium on, oh, look at him. You know, he's in a, a dress suit and he looks all sharp. And, you know, look at George Clooney. He's so good looking. And look at Jennifer Aniston. She's so good looking or beautiful or whatever terms you want to do. And we base it all on how they, their physical appearance. The physical appearance that changes over time. A physical appearance that you don't have when you when you die and you get to heaven if that's what you believe. We put a priority on money. How many people there are there are the whole aim is to get rich? Is that all you strive for? Is to get money. Is, is is the only thing you strive for is to have a big multi-millionaire company. You know, with big neon lights. You know, lights that, you know, you see at Yankee Stadium and stuff. To have your advert placed in a certain place that everyone knows who you are. Is there anything, any deeper meaning to that? And then, of course, when you have that money, again, it changes back to the looks. Where you see people today. How many people do you see that are somewhat famous? That are actually just totally natural? How many people today do you see that are in somewhat of a spotlight? That you can say, you know what, I think they're totally natural. They're They're just an average person. They haven't, you know, had to get a pure company to, you know, market them in a certain way. They haven't poll tested words that, you know, that makes me down to earth. That makes me with the average American, quote unquote. How many people do you know that are in the spotlight that haven't had some type of plastic surgery? Oh, well, you know, I have to be good looking. You know, I'll have a little nip tuck here. Or I'll have a, you know, I'll enhance my breasts or I'll reduce them or I'll put filler in my lips or, you know, I, I don't know all the other stuff that people do. You know, they'll, they'll get rid of the stretch marks. You know, I'll, I'll get a bit of a nip tuck on my stomach. How many people today, even just on the average Americans, how many people today do you see that have white hair? That have just normal salt and pepper or white or, or bald hair. Now we, we go in now for these technologies that says, no, I, I'm going to have hair regrowth treatment. I'm going to dye my hair. 
Now, by the way, in case you're thinking I'm saying all these things are bad, I'm, I'm not. My point is to see how many people do you think their priorities are straight. Is This is just who, what I want to be, but my priorities are still straight. I, I still care more about my faith, my family, my country. How many people today do you know care more about winning than they do about principles? I think we all need to have a lot of self-reflection over the, the coming weeks and months because there are some people out there who are good people and they don't, I would always encourage you to self-reflect, but we need to see who we want to be. Do we want to be a person and live our life in a Christian, Judeo-Christian way, if, if, if you're a faith-based person, or a moral-based and principle-based if you're not? Is it all about doing the right thing, or is it about getting ahead? Is it about winning, or is it about living a principled life? Bearing in mind that sometimes your principles will hurt you, will hold you back. Is it all about just getting a shortcut? You know, I, I look at, I lo- I'm a big sports guy. I love sports. Um, I have loved sports my whole life. I don't get enough, as much time as I would love to watch. But, you know, you look at, at sports today and you see all these people with PEDs. Drug uses. Is that just a part of life now? Where, you know, I just, you know, I took a, a few pills and just to, you know, get stronger or fitter or... Or you know, better, I, I don't know, I'm, I'm not a doctor, but you get the point. Is that just an accepted part of society, or do we still have mor- our own personal morals and standards? And how do we react to that? When I ask you to do your own list of priorities, I would ask you, when you if you do it and you've done it, Compare your list of standards and morals and what you think is your priorities and look at what society is telling you is your priorities and look at how different they are. Because the one thing I have seen in this for many years and I'm seeing it more and more and more with the advancement of technology with social media is if you get people willing enough to follow, it's very easy to set out a certain narrative. It's very easy to get people to you know, put a priority. Put a, a priority in the culture that might not be there historically. The reason I started with this on your priorities was because I want to talk to you today about poverty. But... During the break, what I would ask you is to ask yourself, give yourself a definition of poverty. What do you think poverty is? Because I can nearly guarantee, unless you've followed me for a very long time, that the poverty I'm going to speak to you about is not the definition that's in your head. I'd be very interested to see how many people 
correctly think the definition of poverty that I'm going to talk to you about after this break. I'll be right back, America. Don't go anywhere. We've got a lot to talk about. Freedom versus freebies. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn. On the Blaze Radio Network. In the next 19 seconds, you could sell your home. Okay, it's, I mean, it's not going to sell your home, I mean, this, but it, you're going to take a big step toward getting it sold. Go to realestateagentsitrust.com and find an agent selected by my team, a professional who shares your values and speaks the truth. Sell your home fast and for the most money. Get moving at realestateagentsitrust.com. Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on demand on the Blaze Radio Network. Thank you so much for sticking with me, America. So what is poverty? Well, if you look up any dictionary or definition book or you you Google poverty or definition of poverty, you're likely to come across different words that usually boil down to the same thing. It's financially very poor. It's the, the state of being extremely poor, the state of being inferior in quality or insufficient in amount. If you go to the Institute for Research on Poverty, um, it's a website, IRP, you will find that the official poverty measure, and you, you can read it down and there, there's different charts because it depends on how many people you have in your family and your location because it differs from state to state. But it's all financial. Now, I've worked with people who are very poor in Ireland. I did a... Years ago, I used to was very involved in, a, in an organization that helped people on the ground. And I learned a lot about poverty that was there I have often said myself I, I'm not rich um, in fact in many ways I'm very poor financially but is poverty just a financial situation is poverty just the fact that you know if you live in poverty you just don't have enough money is that where poverty is is, is that why where is that the culture we live in that like what I spoke about in the first segment where it's all about earthly. It's all about winning. It's all about money. It's all about looking good. And that's it. There's no deeper meaning. Well, I contest that there is. And in some ways, there are people in America today who live in poverty. And financially, they're very rich. And over the coming weeks and months, I want to talk to you about different poverties that I see because I'm going to be blunt about it. For the next three, four months, you're going to hear about poverty on, in, on the campaign trail, whether it's through the presidential candidates, whether it's through people running for the House and the Senate. You're going to hear about different definitions. You're going to hear about the middle class struggling and you're going to hear about, you know, wages been stagnant. And they were all problems which we are going to address in this show going forward. But when it comes to poverty, it all revol- 
boils down to two things. One, it's financial. And two, you've got to vote for me to help overturn poverty. They always forget the fact that the war on poverty started in the 60s under Johnson. And it hasn't gotten any better. And you've spent trillions of dollars. I'm going to talk to you about poverties that I see growing in your society because I've seen them firsthand in Ireland and in Europe that are not financial. They are a lot harder to fix and there isn't a government program to fix them even if you wanted to. Today I want to talk to you about a poverty of logic, of reason, of truth and of self-thinking. How many people today actually think we are creatures based on reason and logic and not creatures based on emotion? How many people think today truth matters? You know, it's ironic Um, If you've listened to this show for a long time, thank you. But you know I'm a huge fan of technology. We have so much technology today. You You can do so many things on your phone today. It's incredible. You know, you can go to YouTube and you can watch someone speak. You know, you can go to, to SoundCloud and listen to my show anytime or to iTunes or now Google Play. And those, they're up there forever. You can see my first show um, from, from a year ago. There is no hiding with technology today because it's constant. And yes, truth seems to matter nothing. Because you've got political candidates. Pundits will go out and say something. And then they'll go on the next day and say, I never said that. You want a prime example? I'm not talking politics, but just to give you the most recent example. Hillary Clinton. I didn't lie about my email server. FBI said, yeah, you did. And then afterwards, they said I didn't lie. I can watch the video. I can see it. He said you lied. They didn't. And yet she's out on the campaign trail. Going, they, did, they, did, they, they said I didn't lie. They, you know, it's, it came back clear. Yet I can get a video on my phone that says, it's the press conference. It's not even a pundit like me talking about it. It's the actual individual, the FBI guy who gave that press conference, saying it. You can get it at any time. It's not like you have to go to a library when I was growing up. Yet, how many people think truth matters? Because there are 20, 30, 40% of the population, ever how much it is, who believe her when she says, they didn't say it. They said I was innocent. How many people actually want truth? How many people actually think for themselves today? How many people actually think and find their own position in life? You know, if you read any small bit of history, you will understand that when it comes to free thinking, not only is it still very much a revolutionary thought, but there are people who seek to crush it. You know, there's always the the famous example, cause, and I use this because it's in our culture today, but there were people who at one point 
said the world was round and they were laughed at and their characters were destroyed. Yet now we take that for fact. We know that to be true. True science and true innovation. The reason I say that's funny is because you get insults for people like me who were called flat earthers. We're not. The other side are. But how many people today challenge the status quo? And how many people, when I say challenge the status quo, I don't mean a politician. I mean people in society. How many people will stand up among their friends and their family and, and will question everything? And will, will try and have a reasonable conversation with people saying, why do you think that? What, what makes you, what, what human experience are you following that makes you come to your conclusion? Right or wrong? And how many people let that conversation happen? How many people actually believe it's okay to have a difference of opinion? That if you have a difference of opinion, that that's okay, that we can still be friends and we can still interact because there's a common principle under, underpinned in our relationship that we respect each other. And that we can actually agree to disagree. Now, I'm thinking there's a poverty there. That it's, as the definition says, it's a state of being inferior in quality. Well, I would make the case that the, the culture we live in today, in America, in Ireland, in Europe, is inferiority to the, the situation that used to be in America. Where you used to have logic and reason, you used to have principles, you used to have the ability to agree to disagree. Is there anyone out there that would actually look at society today on just this, on logic, reason and principles and truth that would say our society right here, right now is more superior than any other time in, in US history? Let's just focus in on America. Is there anyone who would think that? I can't imagine. I don't know anyone who thinks that. Maybe I do. <laughs> Maybe there are people listening to the show who think that. I'm not saying you're wrong. I, I strongly disagree with you, though. Because today we live in a culture where if you dare challenge the status quo, if you dare have a difference of opinion, you're, you, we want to crush you. I think the biggest solution to overcome this is people speaking out and speaking out in a certain way with love, with encouragement, saying it's okay to agree to disagree. That cannot be solved. If you believe there's a poverty in, in reason and truth and logic and principles, to anyone who's listening who's on the left, I would say, do you agree with that? And secondly, write me the bill that overcomes it. Because I don't see how any legislation or regulation, or whether it's constitutional or not, can overcome that in society. 
the only way we can overcome that is by on on the ground by interacting with our fellow man and interacting in the right way and overcoming that poverty because all I know is if we continue on the path we are on where we have all this great technology that makes our life so much easier in so many ways and we don't use it and logic and reason continue to go out the window and truth continues to go out the window how do you see that society working out well? I can't imagine that society ending well. I can't imagine that being a state of bliss. Maybe that's what our communist friends talk about and when they talk about utopia. It's possible. I just don't see utopia working in a communist fashion or in this fashion. And I think... I don't have all the answers. I wish I was I could st- sit here behind this microphone and say, "Well, if you do A, B, C, it's all sorted. That's your solution." I don't have the answers. I'm hoping someone who listens to this has the answers and that we can share them amongst each other. But I know for a fact, in my heart, it's a fact. That if we don't change the way we interact with people and the way we do things, we're going to lose. And when I say we're going to lose, I don't mean we're going to lose an election. I don't mean we're going to lose the Supreme Court. I mean we're going to lose as a society, as a culture. I mean we are going to lose more of our freedoms. I mean we are going to lose and live in a utopia that does not work. If you take nothing else from this show as a whole, utopia doesn't work. I live in one. There's a reason people want to get out of it. No one wants to live in a utopia. But I will finish with this point on this topic of of poverty. We need to challenge the status quo, even the stuff that we think is right. If, you, if you're like me, you love the Constitution. Or I'll even go one step further. If you're like me, you believe scriptures is the most important thing in your life. Do I think that should be challenged and questioned? Or do I think we should just, you know, just because it's scripture, God wrote it. It's divinely inspired we should just follow it right well I would say wrong I would say what Thomas Jefferson said and bearing in mind I'm saying this about scriptures there is nothing more important in my life so if I say this about scriptures I mean it for everything and Thomas Jefferson once said question with boldness even the existence of a God because if there be one he must must more approve of the homage of reason than that of blindfolded fear. That is Thomas Jefferson. And I would ask you just to focus in on the last couple of words and look at society today. Whether it's a politician, whether it's a party, whether it's a media company, whether it's just people you like. How many people today say question with boldness? Question me with boldness. 
Question my show of boldness. How many people today want your loyalty and no matter what? How many people want you to blindly follow them? And how many people actually call for the homage of reason, for logic, for questioning you? Even Jesus Christ didn't want blindfolded fear. He said, follow me if you want. But he didn't get his knickers in a twist when someone said, I, I actually don't want to follow you. I'm, I'm good. You, you go your road and I'll go my road. He, he didn't sort of, well, no, you can't. You, can't. you you can't go your own way. Do you know who I am? You've got to follow me. No, he just went along. Because we all have to find our own path. And we must question with boldness everything. I'm going to talk a lot more about these poverties over the, the coming weeks and months. But that is something I just want you to think about right now. Do you think we live in that type of poverty? Or do you think we are more superior now with logic, reason, truth and principles than we have ever been before in the history of the world? i got to take a quick break, America. Don't go anywhere. I'll be right back. You're listening to Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. The progressive movement is full of lies. Why do Americans keep falling for the deception? In his new book, Liars, Glenn Beck reveals the simple answer, fear. At our most basic level, we're all afraid of something. And progressives exploit this by offering us solutions to our fears. Solutions based on lies and an unrelenting hunger for power and control. Understanding the roots of these lies is key to helping us stop the disease of progressivism. Liars by Glenn Beck. On sale now at glennbeck.com slash liars. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on demand. Thank you so much for sticking with me, America. I'd be very interested to, to know, um, at the end of the first segment that I asked you during the break, during the adverts to think about a, a definition of poverty. I'd be very interested to know if what I talked about in the second segment was kind of a definition you were thinking about or were you, did you think about the more traditional financial-based? You know, I love engaging with you, so maybe if if you want to um, drop me a line on Twitter at Freedom Disciple, let me know which what you your definition of poverty is um, or on Facebook at Freedom Disciple. I want to switch gears um, for this segment because I want to talk about economics. And the one thing I've I've been really invigorated over the last couple of shows because I'm, I'm finding I'm finding a way to be more comfortable um, with what I'm talking about when I'm not talking politics. I I don't know if it comes across to you as you're listening, but I enjoy talking about the questions I've got planned for you when I I literally have. I'm not joking, I have about 10 pages of notes of questions I want to talk to you about over the coming weeks. And I'm going to try and structure them so that they're somewhat relevant to the current day. But I want it to be not about politics, because I'm I'm finished there. But I'm going to give you the ammunition as much as I can 
on certain issues, to find your role, to find what you believe, but also so that you can talk to your friends and your family and, you know, break down an issue. And I'm going to talk to you about economics right now, and I'm going to break it down to the most simplest form. So one of the campaign issues that you're going to see, and it's going to be driven heavily by Hillary Clinton, is the equal pay. And if you listen to them and you listen to her stump speeches and you listen to, if you were watching the primaries, you heard Bernie Sanders talk about this an awful lot um, because we need a, a Norwegian style of socialism, apparently. But if you believe them and you listen to them, the biggest issue or one of the biggest issues in society today is unequal pay for women. And they'll talk to you about their grandiose plans of, well, we need this legislation. We need this bill to be passed. We need equal pay for equal work. And you'll hear all these great catch lines. And they'll say, they'll, they, the one thing the left are very good at, and, and the progressives in the right are good at as well, is they say things like a catchphrase, equal pay for equal work, that to the average voter who's not spending hours each day breaking down the issues and researching them, they say, yeah, that's, 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 that's okay. I, 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 who would disagree with equal pay for equal work? What you know, you'd have to be a hater to disagree with that. You know, the the right does this as well, by the way. You know, case in point, the Patriot Act. <gasps> you oppose the Patriot Act? <gasps> you must be unpatriotic then. You know, they come up with these grandiose ideas. But what the progressives do, and the history of the progressive movement in America is is they find a problem in society and they, they, they say, they wrap their arms around what they think is, a, is that wrong, that, that, you know, something that needs to be fixed. And they always deal with them the same way. And that's more government, more government programs, even on the equal pay for equal work. It is a federal crime and has been since the 60s to pay a woman less than a man for the exact same job. You know, Obama likes taking credit since, I think it was like 29, 2010. The Lilly Ledbetter Act. That did nothing. It was already on, that law was already on the books. It's just, you know, we need to, you know, divide culture a bit more. Well, if you listen also to the progressives in America, on both sides, they attack everyone. Because... This war on women has been going on for, what, eight, ten years now? You know, people like me, you know, right-wingers, right-wing nutjobs, we hate women. You know, if you listen to the narrative from the politicians, from the media, you know, this isn't true, but this is what they want you to think about people who are on the right. You know, we hate them. We hate women. Even though my mother is a woman. Even though my girlfriend is a woman. I, I hate them. Just, just move past that logic. We want to keep them out of education because we have this in each desire inside us, you know, for me, man, me tough, me strong. Woman, yeah, go into the kitchen. We have this desire to keep them out of work, to keep them out of education. We, we want those men to be the logic and reason people. But we want those women to, they can't even add two plus two. We don't want them to be education. We don't want them to be smart. Because apparently we fear people who are smart. 
yes, I'm the one who people like me on the right are the people who always say, you know, empower yourself, learn, encourage them, inspire people to learn more about the history. The more people who know about history, principles, the constitution, the better our society is. But us right-wingers, we have this flaw because in the rare exception, we do let people work. You know, we do let women work. But, you know, because we're haters and we're horrible, horrible people, we, you know, when they work, we're so insecure in ourselves. We're so tribalistic that we need the woman to know her place, that, you know, she can't earn a certain amount of money. She has to earn a fraction of what a man earns. And if you listen to the liberal and you listen to Obama, you probably even know this stat. It's a lie, but it's a stat. You know, they only earn 77 cents on the dollar. This all sounds really heinous about the right, about people like me. But you see, the thing about it is, it works great in the media. It gives politicians something to talk about. How many... How many people do you know who don't really engage in politics every day, yet know, well, women only earn 77 cents on the dollar? It's a great tagline. It fits perfectly. You know, you know that the, the roller on when you go onto CNN or Fox, right at the bottom of the screen, like there's like a little bullet point of what they're talking about. Women earn 77 cents on the dollar. It always fits perfectly. And you know where else it plays great? It plays great in the donor meetings. You know, where you can, you know, you, you can wrap yourself in the social justice and, and point fingers at people going, we need to right this wrong. Women deserve equal pay for equal work. Except here's the thing. Do you know anyone on the right who truly believes all those hideous things that we should keep women out of education? We should keep them out of work, their places at home, cooking, being a stay at home mom. That, you know, if they do work and it's, you know, it's a small job with no responsibilities, that we only pay them 77 cents, 77 cents on the dollar. Do you know anyone? Because I don't. So before we get to the solutions, I want to just deal with the facts. Because maybe I'm one of the few who actually think this, but facts actually matter. So... Obama goes out and says 77 cents on the dollar. You'll probably hear Hillary Clinton talk about the same figure or she might use slightly more or slightly less. You know, facts never get in the way of a good story. So is 77 cents on the dollar an accurate figure? Of course it is. It's Obama. He's the president. He would never, ever lie to you. Has, Oba has any politician ever lied in their life? <laughs> you can fill in the blank there. Well, here's the thing. It's it's one of those liberal truths. It's it's kind of true, but it lacks a whole lot of context. So let me put this figure into context. If you want to find a way to say women earn 77 cents on a dollar, well, you can find ways. You just have to be very picky with your criteria. So, for this figure to be accurate, for 77 cents on the dollar to be accurate, what you need is to include all male and all female workers, regardless of their occupation. Now, for those, this is me asking you a question, I, you know, your answer might be different to mine, 
But when you're talking about what a male person earns and a female person earns, and, you know, it's equal pay for equal work, okay? Remember, that's their big tagline. Do you see a problem comparing, oh, I don't know, a male bricklayer, you know, he lays bricks all day, he's on a construction site. Do you think it's fair to compare what that male bricklayer earns because he has a trade? And, oh, I don't know. A female nurse or a female working in a doctor's office doing admin. Do you think it's okay to compare them to? Is that logical? So it's not equal pay for equal work. It's that, you know, men and women should earn the same no matter what they do. Let me give you another example because, uh, well, John, you see, you're such a hater. You know, of course, you, you know, that's not right because, of course, someone like you, you know, you you would use give the man a, a tougher job and a more, you know, a bigger job and a better job than, a, you know, a woman. Okay, fair enough. Do you think it's fair that a male, and let's just use something similar, a male electrician earns the same as a female nurse or a female doctor? Bearing in mind the construction industry, I, I, I choose the construction industry for a reason, because they're very heavily regulated on what they pay. So the government controls quite a lot of that to start with. And comparing them to something else. Surely if you want a, an equal pay, the logic would say, well, let's compare two people doing the same job in, in the same industry. Let's even use the same job Do you think it's okay to pay a server the same in a four-star restaurant than it is the server in Denny's? They're doing the exact same job. Do you think it's okay to pay the same wage? Or do you think it's okay to say, hey, you know what, you work in a four-star restaurant, you obviously have certain skills because they don't let anyone in in a four-star restaurant or a four-star hotel? You have to have certain criteria. Do you think it's okay to pay a premium for that? Bearing in mind, I haven't spoke once about sex. You could say a female bricklayer, or the female could have been working in the four-star hotel, and the guy could have been working in Denny's, or Whataburger, or McDonald's. I'd be okay with the woman Ermin Moore. You see, for liberal truths to be true, they want you to think... That these two people who have nothing in common work in different professions, work in different industries, yet the left wants to create the division and make you believe that an injustice is happening. And of course, if you dare disagree with politicians and the media and the elite, you're a hater of women and support unfair work practices. What the left forgets is there is so many ways to calculate our pay. It can be based on our prior experience, on our level of college. Which college you went to? Are you telling me a degree from, like, community college should be the worth as a degree from Harvard? Because some people should tell the folks who go to Harvard, because if that's the way you want to wait a certain degree, then why would you pay to go to Harvard when you can go to the community college and get the same degree? Because, hey, it's worth the same, right? What industry you have, what industry contacts you have, what scale of prior success you have. These are just some of the criteria to calculate your pay. You know, if you're a salesperson, 
and you have a long track record of being a successful salesperson, should you earn the same amount as someone who has only a year or two's track record of success? Of course not. This is what the liberals get you to do. They get you all divided. Because I have proof. There's an organization called CONSAT, C-O-N-S-A-D, and they released a paper several years ago. I think it was like 2011 or 2012. And they said, if you control every factor but discrimination, the wage gap shrunk to between 93 and 95 cents on the dollar. Now, granted, that is not zero. And that is something, you know, we need to work at. But it's not small. It's not as big a gap as the 77 cents on the dollar. Like, could you imagine if Obama gave the speech, well, you know, women only earn 95 cents on the dollar. Do you think it would have had the same impact on politics, on the media elites, and getting the liberal donors to, to, you know, open their checkbooks? Here's the thing. Getting to the solutions. How do you fix this? How do you get to a point where you have to write a law? Well, the laws are already on the books. Yes, I want to give you an example of someone who overcame that. And it wasn't by a law. It wasn't by a legislation. It was true merit. Because here's the thing. When you deal with the progressive left and right, what they want you to feel is that you're a victim and that you cannot possibly survive without them because I'm your social justice warrior. You need me. You need to vote for me because, I, to quote Obama, I, I'm, a, I'm a warrior. They don't want you to think you are an individual. You are empowered yourself. That if you have an injustice, you can overcome it yourself. I want to show you the solution. Do you know who Robin Wright is? Now, if you're a history and... Or not a history buff, sorry. If you're a movie history buff, and you know what the Princess Bride is, you will know Robin Wright was Princess Buttercup. Well, if you're a more modern person, you also might know who Robin Wright is, because she plays Claire Underwood in the Netflix exclusive show, House of Cards. She is Kevin Spacey's wife. She is the First Lady. And if you're not aware of the plot, let me give you a brief rundown. Kevin Spacey is pretty much a career politician, and he's married to Robin. And he basically plots his way to become President of the United States, and there's no vote cast in his name. It's it's a wonderful series. It's so realistic. If you don't if you have Netflix and you haven't watched it, I'll give it a plug. Strongly watch it. It's 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 brilliant. Well, at the start Claire was kind of in the background. But then as the, the series rolled on, she became more and more of a central figure. She's getting more and more airtime. But she was paid less than her male counterpart because while well, Kevin Spacey is more known than Robin Rice, he played a bigger character. He played the president. You know, in, in a show about politics, when you play the president, you're kind of like a big deal. Yes, she was paid less. That is no longer the case. Why is it no longer the case that she's not paid the same? Did some politician, did Obama sign an executive order going, I love House of Cards, Robin Wright is brilliant, the show is nothing without her. 
give her a pay rise. Did the Democrats and the Republicans come together and sign some law and say that needs to happen because Netflix is and House of Cards is so great? Did it change by the Supreme Court coming together and saying, you know what, Robin Wright needs the same amount of money as, as Kevin Spacey? The answer to those three questions is nope, nope, and nope. Yet she got a pay rise and is now paid the same as Kevin Spacey. How did that happen? How did a person not get, how did a person get equality without politicians, without political parties, without new laws, and without the Supreme Court? It's great. It's a wonderful story. She went to the bosses of the show. And she demanded the same amount of money as Kevin Spacey. Because as I quote, as she put it herself, I was looking at the statistics. And Claire Underwood's character was more popular than Frank's for a period of time. So I, and here's the key term, I capitalized on it. I was like, you better pay me or I'm going to the public. And what did they do? They paid her. Now imagine that. A woman saw an opportunity to get something she was owed because of her talents, her hard work. And the best part, no government, no politicians, no political parties, no Supreme Court rulings. Just talents, initiative, skills, hard work, and asking for what she felt she was deserved on. You face many problems in America right now. On one hand, you have one side and growing on the second side on the right, where they see every opportunity as a vote. Everything that is wrong in society, it should be exploited to get the maximum possible gain for more power for themselves, more power for their political party, for the presidency. Because, you know, if you believe the rhetoric, they're fighting for you. Wrong, they're fighting for themselves. And if you follow that person and that party, whether it's right or left, your success or failure is largely depending on them being on power and then acting on it. On the other hand, you know, the, the, the old-fashioned people like myself, you have an idea called free market principles where we can teach people to take control of their own destiny and empower them with facts, with skills, with talents, with knowledge and make them be a hundred percent. Of course, this does mean the downside where your success or failure is largely dependent on the choices that you make. It all boils down to this simple question. Do you want to control your destiny or do you want someone else to do it? This is a prime example, Robin Rice, of how things can be done. So the next time you have a friend or a family member talking to you, well, we need to support Hillary Clinton, we need equal pay for equal work, just remember this and share some of the stories with them. And make it your story. It doesn't have to be about Robin Rice. I just found it interesting because she's in the news a lot lately because of House of Cards. You make your own story, but they are some of the facts that you need. I've got to take one last quick break, America. I'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network.
Coming up today on Pat and Stu. You know, it's the largest, there's a, a bunch of different, uh, I heard CNN ticking off a bunch of different uh, most evers that this was. It was, the, it was the biggest terrorist attack since 9-11. It was the biggest mass shooting in U.S. history. It was the biggest attack on gays in U.S. history. And I guess they were saying it's also technically the biggest attack on Hispanics. Pat and Stu, weekdays at 5 p.m. Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. With Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. Thank you so much for sticking with me, America. Before I get to the last topic of the day, I want to just invite you to... This is your show, and I'm going to do everything I can to break down an issue, just like I did. I'm I'm not saying I'm greater and I'm even good at it, but I'm going to try and break it down and share stories with you. If there's an issue that you think hasn't been dealt with, and it's not political, it's not who should I vote for or, you know, past history. If, you, if there's a principle that you want to, me to discuss, whether it's economic-based or, or faith-based or, or constitution-based, send me a message, uh, publicly or privately. A lot of people engage with me privately because they say a few things to me, they just hit home. Send me a message, Freedom Disciple, and I will take it on and do my best to present it to you so that you have the the ammunition. It'll be based on facts, it'll be based on principle, but that you can have a story to share with people. I want to finish today's show by just focusing in on one last point um, that was kind of inspired from last week's show that I'm trying to change. And the reason I'm sharing these personal stories with you it's it's hard for me because I don't actually like talking about myself. I, I, I'm much more comfortable talking about other people um, because I'm not a... I don't like attention. Um, but because I've had so many clarifying thoughts over the last couple of three, four weeks in my mind and I'm making some changes in my own life, I'm sharing them with you like I did last week because I know I'm not the only person who feels this. And if you get even 1% of comfort from what I'm sharing about myself, for me, it's worth it. And the one thing that I want to talk to you about now is is gratitude. Um, you know, it's easy to live in this world where we are always focused on tomorrow. We're always focused on the future. When it's politics, we're always focused on the next election. You know, you're, you're focusing on the next job or the next season. You know, you're rarely looking backwards or you're rarely in the present. We're always looking forward. You know, right now, a lot of people who are listening to this, are, our parents are planning school. You know, their kids are back to school. And then it's back to homework and after study groups and, and all that goes with it. And just we're always planning. And one thing I've realized is sometimes, and I want to do it a lot more, is instead of focusing on the future all the time and instead of focusing in on the day-to-day and, you know, the things you don't have, to be more grateful. You know, it's 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 easy for me personally to, to, to always be driving. I want to get to America. I want to help. I want to get over there. And, 
and sort of focus on what you don't have and, and, and forget what you do. And I'm sharing this because it might help some people. The one thing I'm trying to do changes. I'm trying to be more grateful um, because of all the bad things in my life, there's still a lot of good things. And I'm extraordinarily blessed. Um, there are things I'd love to change about my life. My location comes to mind. However, there are certain things in my life that I am entirely grateful and I am truly blessed. Um, no more so than my faith. And this show, you know, it's... You know, you see how many shows are on The Blaze. The Blaze don't give shows to everyone. Yet, thank God, Glenn, Dom saw something in me, Jonathan, and they've given me my own show, and, and thank God you listen. Um, it's it's just incredible. And I, the reason I'm sharing this is because I saw a great Mimi, um, and I shared it during the week. And it, it's just a little notepad, and, it, and it's really good, and I want to share the contents with you because it just really... Um, crystallized my mind and it was like the top it's grateful for and it's 10 things and it's turning a negative into a positive and I'm going to share it with you things to be grateful for one early wake-ups equals children to love two house to clean equals a safe place to live three laundry equals I have clothes to wear four dishes to wash equals I have food to eat. Five, crumbs un under the table, equals family meals. Six, grocery shopping, equals money to provide for us. Seven, toilets to clean, equals indoor plumbing. Eight, lots of noise, equals people in my life. Nine, endless questions about homeworks, equals Kids' brains are growing. And ten, sore and tired in bed equals I'm still alive. When I saw that a couple of weeks ago, I saved it. And I think it's just, it's something I, I'm really, it's hitting home for me right now. Because it's it's so easy to be so negative and, and, and to, to get up into the day-to-day -day grind and look into the future. And to always see things as a negative, like how many times I'm, I'm, I'm going to say this as myself, I can't tell you the amount of times I've looked at laundry and went, oh, and no offense, especially in Ireland where it rains a lot. And you're like, oh, come on, just dry. You know, just, I just, I, I just need this to wear, just dry. I need to go to work. Yes, I don't ever say how blessed I am that I have clothes to wear. You know, how many times... Do you think of lots of noise? I, I'm I'm big one for this. You know, when people visit the house and the kids are screaming and they're running around and a kid is crying because it wants a bottle and another kid is crying because it got woken up because of all the noise and, and people are talking and, you know, it's just everyday life and you are you just want to put your hands on your head and just scream and just say, everyone, just go away. I just need five minutes of peace. And yet, you're not thankful for the people in your life. And the last one was the one that hit home for me most. How many times at the end of a day, at the end of a week, I, I always get this about Friday. You, you know, Friday night because of, of work and, and research and stuff I do and this show. 
you get into bed and you're just like, God, I'm knackered. I'm so tired. What a week. And yet you don't look at it to be thankful that, well, you know, you're, you, you have those aches in your knees and your back and you're not feeling good and you're tired because you're still alive. And when you're still alive, there's always hope. You know, I, I am so grateful for so many things in my life. And it's just something if, imagine if we could all be just 1% more grateful and, and to show it to people. You know, we are blessed to have so many people in our lives that do things that we don't even know. You know, you know even just think about food. Look at all the people who, who sacrificed and did long hours for you to have that piece of meat or that piece of bread or something. You know, everything from the farmer to the, to the, to the packer to the long, long haulage driver, the long haul. It takes a lot of work for everything we have in our life that we take and sometimes we take for granted. So it's something I'm going to try and do to, to, to look in life and on this show to be more grateful, to be more positive. Because here's the thing, and I'll finish with this for today. Doom and gloom is around. We, there is no dousing that in 2016. We live in times that are really trying our souls. Um, our souls are on trial right now, and whether we, you know, in eternal sense, get you know a good verdict or a bad verdict is dependent on how we act right now. But even right now, when it's so dark. There is still that brightness. The embers of liberty are still ablaze. They are still lighting. They are still there if you look hard enough. Now you might have to, you know, give it a good wipe and a bit of a buff to, you know, get the dust and dirt off it. You might have to put in a new battery. But there are still signs of hope out there. I see them. Things could get very bad going forward. And in some cases, financially and and many other ways, terrorism-wise, might get very bad and get worse. But even through that dark part, there is still hope. There is always, always hope. You just need to know where to look for it. As always, I finish up this show the way I always do. By saluting the people who I deem who are real heroes in society. Your police, your firefighters, your emergency personnel, your vets. Who day in and day out risk everything for our safety. For principles of freedom and liberty. I would ask you to just keep my blaze colleague Sheriff Clark in your prayers. Things are not going so well in Milwaukee at the minute and that's where he's a sheriff. And lastly, I salute you, the great American people. I am a firm believer now more than ever before in Alexis de Tocqueville when he said, America is great because of your people. If America is to survive and prosper like never before, it won't be because of a politician or a president or a party or a law or a Supreme Court. It will be because of each and every one of you sharing the great American dream. Until next week, America, next Saturday, where I... Hope you will join me yet again where I'll tell you why America is still an exceptional nation. Have a wonderful and peaceful and safe week. God bless you 
and God bless America. Freedom versus freebies. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network.